When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, good morning. It is a massive football Friday with a lot of college hoops dumped in. It is don't at me. Welcome. Get to the YouTube chat if you would like. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We've got John Cohen, who is the athletic director that hired Hugh Freeze. Can't wait to talk to the athletic director at Auburn. The Gun Show is going to join us, my friend and former Hoosier, now going to be Big Ten Network broadcaster. Dane Fife is going to join us talking about Indiana, Kansas, what's going on in college hoops. We got some bets for you where it is. I'm making money. I'm making money. I made it last night. I'm making you money. You do not want to miss. Let's first, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's get into this. I think we're going to play this game every day because I think this man gives us content every day. Can you tell us what the president of the United States, Joe Biden, means by this. This ecosystem of cyber, cyber bastion, a diaspora-owned small business. you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like wolves could bob for a friend? Get a friend's boots, 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 Tell me what Joe Biden said right there. You don't know. You never know. But that is the president. That is the man we are all to follow. That is our leader. And I got to tell you, God bless him. And God bless America. i tell you this much. I don't know about you guys, but I'm on the purdy train. Man, he got a purdy mouth. That is the most disgusting scene in the history. And I'm being totally honest here. In the history of movies... That scene in Deliverance, I've only watched it once, I will never watch it again, is legitimately the worst. And I don't think that there's a second. I'm sure you could come up with a second. I'm sure the YouTube chat would. But my man Purdy, now let's understand a couple of things. Number one, did John Lynch get lucky by by picking this kid last? Did he get lucky? Was this luck? Was this just one of those deals where it was dumb luck? Or, or... Did John Lynch, the general manager, who, according to all reports, could have gone back to broadcasting, decided to stay as a general manager, did he, ladies and gentlemen, see something in Purdy where he went, you know what? I, um, I like it. I think he could be a starting quarterback. See, I don't buy it. Brock Purdy was good at Iowa State. Brock Purdy came out, and he was supposed to be really good, but he was up and down his senior year. He was looked at as a first-round pick. But I got to tell you, in my city and in probably your city, what does the general manager do? He searches. He hunts. He digs through the weeds for a quarterback. Or, and this is where it really hurts you, he trades up for Mitchell Trubisky, bypassing Mahomes, bypassing Watson. Or... He gets screwed, or he's too chicken blank, or he's too afraid. Our guy here in Indy, Chris Ballard, said, hey, look, if I draft the wrong guy at quarterback, you all are going to run me out of town. Well, now that I'm no longer on talk radio in Indianapolis, nobody's going to run him out of town. He'll probably get an extension. 
So John Lynch has done all of it. John Lynch made a trade. He brought over Jimmy G. Great trade, right? Super Bowl. Almost another chance. But they didn't like Jimmy G. They didn't like Jimmy G. They didn't think Jimmy G was good enough. So what did they do? They made a deal. They moved up and they took Trey Lance. If you remember, ladies and gentlemen, earlier this year, there was video. I don't know why I'm looking this way, but there was. There was video of the team practicing and Jimmy G taking snaps over here. Trey Lance was the quarterback. Bada boom, bada bang. He's out. Next thing you know, Jimmy G's in. We're all fascinated. The Golden State Warriors cheerleaders all giddy. Run over to Jimmy G. He is the next George Clooney slash Joe uh, Namath slash Joe Montana. He's it. He's the star. What is Brock Purdy doing during this time? Well, he's on a scout team. He's running the plays of the opponents, but apparently, apparently, Brock Purdy did something not a lot of guys do. He did not sulk. Apparently, Brock Purdy got himself ready for Freddie. He got himself ready for action. And when called upon, guess what? Brock Purdy, if nothing else, has solidified himself in the lore of not only the San Francisco 49ers, but in the lore of the NFL. Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. Next thing you know, he's leading a team that right now you can make the argument, and I will make the argument, that team, that defense, those weapons, even without Debo Samuels yesterday, that's going to be a heck of a matchup if it comes to fruition with the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no debating, I don't think, that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC. There's no debating, I don't think, that Jalen Hurts is the most valuable player in the NFL, but there is a debate who's second in the NFC. I think that the Vikings are the worst 10-3 and team in football. I like them. They win late. They seem to be tough. It didn't work out against the Lions. But the next best team, I got to tell you, seems to be Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Let's see. Brock Purdy last night. Oh, I don't know. He does what Brock Purdy did at halftime. At halftime, where the game was kind of sort of decided, not totally decided, but somewhat sort of, Brock Purdy was 12 of 16 for 96 yards and a touchdown. You know what? This isn't all Brock Purdy. I get it. And Brock Purdy got very, 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 very lucky. Brock Purdy had an interception that should have been intercepted. He had a mistake right in the hands of a defender. It didn't. But you know what? Sometimes you got the golden horseshoe. Always said this about Urban Meyer. He's got the golden horseshoe right up his you-know-what. He's got it right there. And sometimes the golden horseshoe makes guys drop the ball. It just does. Joe Burrow last year, the free safety of the San Francisco 49ers, that kid Dart, right in his hands. The game was going to be over. It was a 10-point game. Who wins it goes to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow throws it over the middle. The kid, the free safety Dart, has it, drops it. Joe Burrow takes him down for a touchdown, makes it three, and you know the rest of the story. Joe Burrow ends up in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy G ends up as a backup. Joe Burrow, golden horseshoe. Brock Purdy, maybe right now, golden horseshoe. But I got to tell you, there's nothing to tell me that Brock Purdy isn't the real deal. And there's nothing to tell me that when you combine it with a fantastic coach, terrific weapons, and a running game with Christian McCaffrey, who went for 26 carries, 109 yards, and solidifies the whole thing, nothing tells me that this kid isn't going to continue to be successful. And that defense is bad, man. 
Now, Boza needs to stop doing his thing. Boza needs to stop, you know, hitting quarterbacks late, roughing the pass. It was his fourth one all year. Uh, credit Aaron Spielberg, my producer, for all of these notes. But anyway, long story short, I didn't know the fourth. I knew the roughing the pass. Anyway, I think the San Francisco 49ers are the absolute team to beat if we're not taking and talking about the Eagles. You ask me, Dan, what about the Cowboys? What about the Cowboys? Cowboys, since Dak Prescott returned in week seven, they're averaging 35.7 points a game. Now, if you know me, you got to have a defense. I get it. But, man, I like me some offense. I love me some offense. I do. I'm not going to lie to you. You give me some offense, you build your team with offense, and I'm not talking about a generational guard with the sixth pick in the draft instead of taking Josh Allen. I'm not talking about that. Not. I am not discussing that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about offense. We're talking about Kittle. We're talking about Debo Samuels. You know, the thing that both the Chiefs and, I think, the 49ers have, they just keep running guys out there that can run like crazy. They just keep running them out there. Like, who's that guy? Oh, he's Pancheco. What the hell's a Pancheco? Ah, he played at Rutgers. He was like a six-round pick. Oh, he's running for 100 yards. What? Who's this guy? Ah, Brock Purdy. What's a Brock Purdy? Ah, he's a guy that played at Iowa State. Well, who's that? Well, I don't know. He, he's now the next big thing. Oh, okay. We know who Micah Parsons is, right? We know who Patrick Mahomes is. But these teams, it drives me nuts. They just keep running out there and running out there and running out there. Guys that can make plays. Now, my guess is, and this is just a guess, my guess is that's why, ladies and gentlemen, they decided, oh, I don't know, to bring Hugh Freeze to Auburn. My guess is Hugh Freeze to Auburn is one of those deals where, hey, look, we're going to get playmakers, we're going to get people, we're going to get this going, and we're going to win some football games. That's my guess. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm right at all. But it does mean, ladies and gentlemen, that you got a chance to win some football games, and that's why you hire Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is there at Auburn. We're going to talk to John Cohen, who is the athletic director over at Auburn. Uh, coming up here in 15 minutes. I'm also going to get into this. You know, there's a kid playing at Eastern Michigan. His name is Imani Bates. Imani Bates was arrested. And I'm going to get into this for gun charges. Nothing has been done about it by the school. And when I say nothing, I mean absolutely nothing. Now, let's talk a few more headlines before we get into and discuss with Mr. Cohen. Uh, Beginning March 23rd, the NCAA is going to have a new president, and his name is Charlie Baker. He has been the state's governor since 2015. What does this mean for the NCAA? I'll tell you what I think it means for the NCAA. I think it means nothing. I think the NCAA, Charlie Baker, must not have thought that he was going to win anything. Uh, Charlie Baker... Uh, must have thought he wasn't going to do any good in Massachusetts because right now when you look all across the NCAA, there's not much there. Sure, they have the basketball tournament. Sure, the basketball tournament is going to change. The basketball tournament is going to become different. Maybe it'll be the top 75. Maybe it won't. I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know this. Uh, it's changing. 
And that is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, the number one thing that has to happen. Charlie Baker, the new head of the NCAA, has got to figure out what in the heck is going to happen with the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It is literally that simple. It just is. It's that simple. And if you can't figure out what's going to happen and be ahead of it with the NCAA tournament, then you know what? Um, you're screwed because this is coming. The other thing you're going to have to figure out is, uh, oh, I don't know, but you're going to have to figure out how the NIL money is going to be punished. Serious business. Uh, how it's going to be punished. How is it going to be punished? What are you going to do with people that violate the rule? What are you going to do that make the NIL money an offer not a gift once you're there. What are you going to do with this? What's going to happen with that? That's a big deal. That's a no joke big deal. That is a deal where it's like, wait a second here. Uh, We got to know what we're doing with that. Because if we don't, uh, then it is going to continue to be the wild, wild west. And that's exactly what we have right now. We've got insanity going on right now in college athletics. I'm just telling you. We have absolute insanity. And what we have is, and I'm hearing this a lot and a lot and a lot, is I'm hearing that a lot of teams are being broken up because of the NIL. Payments aren't being made. Guys are starting to get mad in basketball that they're not playing or they're not getting as much as guys that they're playing ahead of. I'm hearing in a lot of cases this is an absolute freaking mess. That's what I'm hearing. Now, does it mean that I'm right? No, but I'm not the only one hearing it. Fran Fraschella put it out the other day on Twitter. He put it out the other day and he said, look, we got a problem here. A lot of schools have a problem. NIL money not being delivered. Now, here's the deal. We all understand this, and I'm going through it. You've probably been through it. Uh, When people want their goods and services, they want it now. When people want to pay, they don't want it so much now. They're not so quick at having it and wanting it now. So that's what you're starting to hear about. You're starting to hear, hey, look, what's going on here? I ain't getting my money. I want my money. I'm just telling you. Hey, Dan, I saw Trace Jackson Davis in a John Jones Auto Group commercial yesterday. It's a new day, kids. It is. It is. It's a brand new day. And that is going to be the number one deal on the agenda after the NCAA basketball tournament. See, I find this stuff to be incredibly boring. I find all of the talk about, well, what's going to happen with the tournament? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? I find it all to be incredibly dull. But what I don't find to be dull is what's going to happen with the NCAA tournament. What's going to happen once we get the tournament uh, contracts with TBS, with CBS, and all of the other entities, True TV that you guys watch and all that other stuff, what's going to happen with that? That's the number one thing that the new president has to be involved in. A lot of people are saying, look, we're going 75, man. We're going 75 teams Uh, it's not going to be as easy for other teams to get in, underdogs to get in, because the ratings show, yes, we like the underdog, 
And other than St. Peter's, we don't want to watch the underdog play, but it's going to be fascinating. We'll get into that with John Cohen, the athletic director uh, over at Auburn. He hired Hugh Freeze. He's got Bruce Pearl with him. He's got Charles Barkley uh, lurking in the background. It's a beautiful thing at Auburn. And if you've ever been to Auburn, the one thing that you do understand about Auburn is, man, are sports important? Like, I'm not just talking about sports like, you know, what you see on TV. I'm talking about sports. I'm talking about, you know what? I'm talking about guys' intramurals. I'm talking about, hey, there's a field. A bunch of dudes are playing football. The football field, at least when I saw basketball arena, right there in the middle of campus, it's spectacular at Auburn. Like, I did two games there. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, and then I forget the Auburn, Mississippi, or I forget which one it was, but it was absolutely spectacular. It was great. And John Cohen gets to be the athletic director there. And John joins us now. John, how are you? Hey, guys, I can't hear him. Hello? You got me? I don't know. Hello? Hey, John. Hey, gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, John, a couple of things. Thoughts on Mike Leach? I know you hired uh, Coach Leach. Yeah, you know, Mike is one of those really special people. By the way, I apologize. I was shaving this morning and uh, (laughs) got myself. So I'm about to dab my chin every once in a while here. But, uh, yeah, Mike's one of those really special people. I'm going to miss him not not only as a colleague but as a friend and someone who – really enriched my life uh, among millions of other people. Uh, just one of those bright lights, those brilliant minds, uh, those people who saw life from a different vantage point, um, just truly uh, an original. And I, I think we're, we're all going to miss him, Dan. When you, when you, you know, people always talk, I had a chance to hang out with him on a vacation with Urban and him and our wives and, or my wife, his, or Urban's wife, not, not coaches, but, um, what made him different as a football coach around the team? Not only – I know he's an innovative offensive guy, but why did his – I don't know if it's quirky or different personality connect with all kinds of different kids? Yeah, I, I think then – and I think you would agree with this. Kids, 18 to 22-year-old kids can sense, you know, if you're being one way around them, one way around the fans, one way around donors, one way around administrators – uh, Mike Leach is Mike Leach, 24-7. Um, he is the same guy all the time, incredibly consistent, um, and lived his life that, life that way. I mean, again, all these stories have been told, but, you know, the maybe the, the person who's cleaning up his office, uh, he's going to have the same conversation with that person as if he's talking to the president of the university. Um, j- just the genuine article, just... Uh, a real person, and, and student-athletes can sense that, and I think they rallied around that with Mike. I always said one thing that 18- to 23-year-olds can spot is a fraud. Yeah, Mike's certainly not a fraud. He, he's certainly one of those guys that, um, again, I keep saying the word genuine. Uh, every day of Mike Leach's life, Mike Leach was genuinely Mike Leach, and uh, – you know, there's something to that, Dan, for sure. John, you hired Hugh Freeze a lot there. Um, obviously, with you, um, 
it comes down to you. Athletic directors are now, you know, for the last whatever many years. What what made you decide to go ahead? What did you do to vet Hugh Freeze given the past that Hugh had? Well, Dan, you know, we obviously interviewed, I mean, hundreds of people surrounding his career. And you do that for any candidate, right? So no matter where Hugh was from high school on, you know, we, we vetted all the people around him. Um, you know, I, I wish that in some respects, that narrative of what people said about him could could get, quite frankly, to folks like you. Uh, because when you hear people from one end of the country to the other say very similar things about a man and his coaching ability, his ability to recruit, his ability to connect with student athletes, his ability to care about student athletes beyond the playing surface, um, when they're saying that from his high school days all the way through Liberty, um, you know, that was obvious to us. The, the other thing, too, is you, you go through and you check boxes. And this league, as you well know, Dan, is a beast. Um, the, the league is tough. And to have experience in this league, to have success in this league, to recruit at a high level in the Southeastern Conference, um, the ability to develop quarterbacks, the ability to develop young men. Many of the people we interviewed were former players, former parents of players. Um, and when all, again, all those people are saying very similar things, you feel like you're on the right track. Did he have to prove personally to you what he is about? We had some great discussions for sure. And uh, I, I, listen, you know, there's, there's a, one of the reasons I wanted to be at Auburn, Dan, is because uh, of our coaches. And, and you know, there, there's one coach on our, our staff that nine years ago, there were some pretty venomous things said about him. Um, and that's Bruce Pearl. Uh, you know, at a three-year show cause, there were some really nasty things being said about him. He had one of the great redemption stories in the history of the NCAA. There is nobody that I respect more, and there's a lot of people that I respect, than Bruce Pearl, the job he has done at Auburn University. And I guarantee you there were some folks in social media and in print media and, and everywhere in between that were saying some pretty negative things. Now, Bruce's situation and his past is, is different uh, than Hughes for sure. So I'm not, you know, expressly making that comparison, but I am going to say this. I, I think there's a really neat redemption story here and the lives that Bruce Pearl has touched in our community, the things that he has done for Auburn University. Uh, I, I really believe there's a pathway for Hugh Freeze to, to replicate a lot of that. John, how do you react to this? There's an old saying, the great Royce Waltman said, get fired for anything in coaching, anything doesn't matter. Just don't get fired for losing, and you'll always get another job. You know, I, in some respects, I think you can't deny that success on the playing field or on the court or whatever, um, it matters, especially in the Southeastern Conference. But that's not the driving force behind any of my decisions. It's a huge factor. It is not the absolute factor. We have to develop young people. Um, we have to make sure that they're prepared for life after what they do, because we know that there's a limited amount of time that they can participate in sports. So I think that's a huge factor as well as well. Again, one of the reasons I want to be at Auburn. I, I think Auburn does a great job uh, preparing student athletes for life after their sport. And I have a great belief in all of our coaches and their ability to prepare our student athletes for that. Um, when, with Bruce, I've known Bruce a long time. And one of the things that I like about Bruce is that he now 
as a Jewish man is coming out and being very political. Uh, and I like that personally. I think that smart people that have interesting stances should speak, particularly in the climate uh, that we're in. Is that any type of issue for you or Auburn? Dan, all of us have First Amendment rights, um, and all of us get to speak our opinion. And I, I think there was a time in our country where we could all respect each other's opinions. And unfortunately, we live in a world of polarization at this point. And I, I'm not going to get political, but I do know there's been incredible leadership in politics, no matter what you believe on, on any side of politics. There's been great leadership that allowed for differing opinions. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I think part of being a great leader is allowing everyone's opinion to be part of the game. Now, you know, when you're expressing your, your opinion, you know, sometimes there's, there's consequences to that, especially, you know, if you work uh, at a state university, if you work, um, you, you know, and you represent student athletes and you represent a, a fan base, but certainly Bruce is somebody who's incredibly bright. Bruce is someone who um, ha has his own thoughts and, and feelings. And, and I, I'm very respectful of that. Yeah, yeah, everybody talks about the First Amendment rights, but you also know that when you jump in there, man, there are consequences, as you said. But I just think it's great that Bruce does that. I think it's fascinating. I think it's an evolution a little bit of Bruce uh, being able to do that. I want to go back to your football. How Did you reach out? Did you discuss the job with Lane Kiffin? We discussed the, the position with many candidates. Uh, and Dan, I won't go into the, you know, the exact ones we, we talked with, but certainly it was a great uh, pool of, of coaches. There was tremendous interest in this position, Dan. And, um, you know, I think that speaks a lot to the success Auburn has had in, in the sport of football, for sure. John, this isn't your first rodeo. You give great answers. You give great non-answer <laughs> answers. And Dan, that might be the case, but I don't even know how to shave because I'm bleeding right now on this desk right here. I apologize. <laughs> hey, I, look, uh, when I, I, I had my producer say, ask him about Lane Kiffin, and in my brain, I'm like, well, I know the answer. And you gave me the answer that I knew. How, when, when people always say this kind of thing, all right, they say, well, you know, I don't like the way they treated the previous coach. They didn't give the previous coach enough time. So bloggers and maybe reporters say, well, that's going to reflect on the next hire. People aren't going to want to hire, uh, go to work for John or go to work at Auburn because of what they did to the previous coach. I always say that's crap. There's, always X, there's only X number of jobs in the Southeast Conference as a football coach. I'm guessing you had no problem figuring out or, or you had no problem coming up with a number of remarkable candidates for your football job, regardless of what happened to the previous coach. You're absolutely right, Dan. We, we did have a tremendous pool, and certainly I, I can't speak to what happened before I got to Auburn University, um, but... I think when you look at this, we have a new president, Chris Roberts, who's doing an outstanding job. It's just a pleasure to work for him every day. Um, you know, there's we have a tremendously passionate fan base. You know, we have resources at Auburn University. We play in the best league in American. Black fact, is my own opinion, and I hate 
you know, saying this opinion, but I think we play in the best division, best league in the entire country, the Southeastern Conference. So there, there's a lot to this position. And you're only interested in this position of football unless you're ready to compete at the highest level. And certainly I, I think Hugh Freeze fits that, that uh, mold. John, you're, you, you coach, and you were a very successful coach. In fact, one of your former players, Alex Meyer, uh, is a kid that I know. He reached out to me, and he was talking about your energy. All right, so as a coach, you hire a guy that you say, or allegedly, and please clear it up if I'm wrong, look, coach, we like you, but we don't trust you enough to go on social media. I'm guessing that's um, a reflection of what he had done in the past, you as a coach, how would you have handled a boss saying, yeah, we want to hire you, but we don't trust you to go on Twitter? Yeah, that's not the case, Dan. I, I, we had some great discussions about social media for sure in, in the process. I think when you have any coaching candidate, you have to discuss social media, no matter who they are. Uh, and, and Hugh has said publicly that, that there have been some missteps. And I appreciate the fact that that he's willing to, to look in the mirror and, and have honest moments and move on and try to improve himself. I think one of the great things about Coach Freeze is Coach Freeze has a plan not only for his players, not only for this program, but for himself. He has a personal plan to move forward to, again, uh, maybe redeem some missteps that he's had in the past. And I, I admire that. You brought up Coach Bruce Pearl. I think that's a great example as well. And that's what the great, not only the great coaches, but they're great leaders do. If there have been missteps in the past, you move forward, you learn from it, and you constantly educate yourself about the process. And I think that's uh, exactly what he was done. I mean, I got to be honest with you here. Now, Bruce has done a great job, but he also had an assistant, Chuck Person, uh, you know, have to get out of coaching, get arrested on his staff. Now, I'm from the Bobby Knight School, you know, and the world has changed. But I made one wrong phone call and I was going to get fired. So, you know, I, I get the redemption and the basketball is great, John. But let's be honest, uh, you know, there's still that. Uh, is Freeze allowed on campus or is Freeze allowed to use social media? Yes, Dan, he, he is allowed to use social media. He does get input from his staff and you know, messaging in 2022, I think we can all agree that messaging is very important. And he wants to use all the platforms available to talk about his football program and his vision for the future of Auburn football. So Hugh Freeze himself is allowed to have an account. Absolutely. Oh, right. that's different than the report. I mean, damn, I, I'm shocked that the media actually got that wrong. I'm stunned. You're stunned? <laughs> I, no. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to no. be allowed to be stunned about that. Um, especially the no, moment I, we I, I'm stunned when they get it right, John. What are expectations? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I've read enough about me to know that I'm a combination of Attila the Hun and, you know, Charles Manson. I'm like, wow, I just do a show. But what are what are expectations? You know, um, for Hugh Freeze, well, you know, you, you mentioned it, toughest league in the country, toughest division in the country. What, you know, you got the guy down there in Tuscaloosa who's rocking and rolling and doesn't seem to be slowing down. Uh, you guys, you know, not you, but people got rid of a coach after a very short period. So what are the expectations uh, for Coach Freeze? Uh, you know, obviously we're, 
the situation that we're in at Auburn, the future looks very, very bright. Um, we, we obviously didn't have the season in Auburn we wanted to have, and you don't get into that position overnight, and you don't get out of it overnight. I will say with the portal, which Coach Freeze and his staff uh, will do a great job with in evaluating kids that are available to Auburn, um, that helps the process for sure when you're trying to, try to turn around a, a program. But I also have seen up close and personal Coach Freeze and the way he goes about recruiting and the way um, he can connect with families and coaches and recruits. Um, and I, I have total faith in the fact that he's going to get over where it needs to be. Again, it's not going to happen, happen overnight, but I think we can see some improvement pretty quickly. In fact, we've already seen that on the recruiting trail. Hey, I want to just circle back. And, and by the way, I, I happen to read something. Paul Feinbaum likes the staff. So that's like the, you know, the scepter being waved on your shoulders, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's like, wow. Hey, uh, last thing. You got any personal story you can share about uh, your time with Coach Leach before I wrap it up here? Yeah, I mentioned this before, Dan, and I. <laughs> there's so many of them, but you know, one of my favorite stories is Coach Leach loved the nickname, right? So we're doing a speaking engagement in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, which is one of these great communities. You know, uh, there's so many engineers, and of course, a space program is, is involved in, in that great city. And when I was at Mississippi State, we did a speaking engagement there. We had a lot of uh, engineers in that area and folks who had, had settled in that area. And we're doing a speaking engagement. We're running a little bit late. And we're, so we're racing to get to the speaking engagement. And Brandon Langlois, who's our media relations director, does a great job at Mississippi State. He starts talking about space camp and NASA. And from that moment forward, Dan, Brandon Langlois, media relations director, became space camp. That was his name. I mean, that was his name forever. I mean, it didn't matter who, who he was talking to, Mike Leach was talking to, he became space camp. So... That, that's one of my favorite stories because for the next three years, he's like, where's Space Camp? I need to speak to Space Camp. And for those around, they didn't know who he was talking about. But that's just one of the, the many little stories about Mike Leach. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, enjoy the rest of your summer or winter. Hell, it's winter. I don't even know. I just sit in a room here. Thanks, John. Thank you, Dan. All right, that's John Cohen. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Guess who's back? Back. Back. Drew is back. 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 Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Drew Brees is back at Purdue. I'll give Drew Brees great credit. The All-Pro Hall of Fame quarterback has always been around Purdue. He has never, ever, ever separated himself for Purdue. You know, you see those guys that are on TV. We're going to introduce the offense now. Dan Dockage, St. Peter and Paul grade school. Shut up! That ain't the point. Drew Brees has given a ton of money to Purdue. Drew Brees has been on the sidelines for Purdue games when he's had a chance. You see on Instagram or on Twitter when Drew was on it. You know what you saw? You saw Drew Brees' kids dressed in Breeze, Purdue uniforms. Good for Drew Breeze coming back to Purdue. And good for Purdue, let's be honest. Hey, the number one thing you can do as a coach right now that's starting a job is make a great first impression. And I got to tell you, 
uh, between giving the Maccabee kid a scholarship yesterday and Drew Brees back with the program, I got to tell you, that's a hell of a first impression. Graham Harrell is coming to Purdue from West Virginia. Now, I don't know if Graham Harrell is great at SC. They were in the top 20. They averaged like 30 a game in the Big 12 at West Virginia. But, hey, let's go. When you're Purdue, uh, I don't know. That's a good start for a new coach. That's a great start for a new coach. So good for Drew Brees, but here's the deal, and this is what you got to understand. The best wide receiver at Purdue is a guy named Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones opted out to go to the draft. You know who the quarterback is? Aiden O'Connell. Now, some people refer to him as AOC. I refuse. I will not refer to him as AOC. Are you kidding me? Hey, can we post, if you get a chance, and this is asking a lot, but if we can get that Maccabee uh, scholarship thing from yesterday queued up at some point today and have the Biden deal ready because I want to see, can anybody understand what Joe Biden is saying? And I like the fact when kids get scholarships, I think it's a great thing. But we're sitting here, listen to this, people. So Drew Brees is back. Purdue lost Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom was a quarterback coach. He was a guy that, uh, innovative offense. He had some big wins. He finally, finally, finally got Purdue to the Big Ten title game. Look, all right, he left. He went home. Purdue, the athletic director, and a very good athletic director, Mike Babinski, was ready. Hey, look, he didn't look very far. He went over to Illinois. And he got a coach. And you know what happened? That coach made a hell of a first impression. Let's play the coach at his team meeting, given Devin Mockaby, the star running back, a scholarship. You know, first, where's, uh, where's Devin at? Well, yeah, Devin, like, what's up, Devin man? Stand up, bro. So, obviously, like, I played against y'all, right? Um, when I found out he was a walk-on, I'm like, what the hell going on over there? Uh, so, first order of business, I'm going to pull rank right now. You on scholarship, all right, dog? Yeah. So that, I guess that's what it feels like to flex a little bit as a head coach, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so congratulations, man. Um, couldn't, couldn't be more happy for you. Yeah. See, now Maccabee, by all accounts, was a guy that wasn't on scholarship because his parents worked at Purdue. Now, look, I don't know. But what I do know is this. That's a good way to start things. Why? You get the whole team believing that you're for them. You get the whole team understanding that you, ladies and gentlemen, understand the team. Look, if you watch Purdue, and I know people don't really want to talk about Purdue football, but this is kind of fun, and this is kind of exciting that Ryan Walter's coming over from Illinois. Uh, you know, hey, I love these kind of things. Let's play my sons from Michigan. You're not going to believe this is the first time you're watching us. Watch this one. This is my kid, my son. Yep, yep, yeah. Sorry to bother you, coach. We gotta talk to one of your players. It's come to our attention that your conduct on campus is related to a number of ongoing investigations. Uh, your involvement in such matters will require your immediate presence in front of the university compliance office right now. 
Okay. Please grab your hat and coat. You'll be escorted <laughs> to the compliance office. Upon there, you'll sign the papers to be awarded a full men's basketball scholarship for the 2017 winter term at the University of that kid and I love that coach for giving him a scholarship you know what it saved me true story twenty six thousand dollars I'll tell you a story about it I was walking into my house my son called me and I was on uh, a walk this is a 10 years ago whatever it was and I went back to the back room and I happened to be turning on my computer and the first thing that popped up was the invoice for Andrew my son's second semester twenty six thousand $28. I printed it off. I walked around my house, some bushes, put it on the ground, and I urinated on it. It was a happy time for me. Saved me 26 grand, but more importantly, made my son feel like a real part of the team and, and, and uh, a billion dollars, a million dollars. So anyway, good for Ryan Walters, great for Ryan Walters, and good for Purdue. Bad for everybody involved at Eastern Michigan. Bad. Look, I know the coach there. I do. I know the coach there. I coached against the coach there. Seriously. His name is Stan Heap. He came into the MAC and he had a great team. He was hand-delivered a great team. All right? The deal is simple. Look. He won a bunch of games. We couldn't beat him. We won 24 games. We could not beat him. They had Antonio Gates, the football player. They got to the Elite Eight. This guy travels around. All right, lands Arkansas, South Florida. Bah. He's an all right guy, kind of soft. Anyway, so now he has this Imani Bates, who's from that area, Ypsilanti, right there. He's the hero, number one high school player in the country. Goes to Memphis. He goes to Memphis and doesn't want to play. Pain in the backside. Goes home, whatever. Now he's at Eastern Michigan at home. He gets pulled over. The dude gets pulled over. He gets pulled over and he's got an unlicensed gun. September 18th, he's got a Glock 17C 9mm gun. He gets arrested that's unregistered and has scratched out serial numbers. So this guy here, um, you know what? He pleads guilty, pleads it down to a misdemeanor. That's fine. It's a misdemeanor. You know what this guy does? You know what? He gets 18 months probation. You know what the coach does? Nothing. Zero. See, college athletics is horrendous right now. 18-month probation, having a gun, and not one single game missed. And I will tell you something else, and this drives me nuts. Had the coach, if the coach had disciplined the kid, I guarantee you the media would have been on the coach. That just ain't right. It's not right. That's not the way it should be. 18 months. So what if I were a professor at a school? Let me ask you guys this. If you were a professor at the school, I'm looking around going, wait a second. What are we doing here? Uh, we're just letting guys on gun charges run around campus. We're just letting guys that carry guns that aren't registered to them. And whatever the case was, it doesn't matter. But we don't even discipline kids anymore. 
You want to know why our world is out of control? That right there. Oh, you're crazy, man. You don't understand. No, I do understand. I do understand that, you know what? Not disciplining kids isn't good for kids. I, I don't know what to tell you. I got a couple other things that I want to talk about. One, what are we doing here? There's a mountain of evidence that says masking doesn't work. Masking doesn't work. All right? It doesn't work. But guess what a Philly high school is doing? So Philly high schools are saying, hey, look, for two weeks when you come back from break, you got to wear masks. We have studies everywhere. There are studies everywhere where, frankly, masking in schools is crushing the soul of our kids. But we don't care about that. We're not interested in that. We want to make damn sure that despite all the evidence in the world, despite all of it, we want to make sure that we look good and we're masking children. It's ridiculous. The world is ridiculous. Why don't we do things for the good of children? Why don't we do things that, oh, I don't know, are for kids? We always only do things to hurt kids. Masking doesn't help kids. What are you talking about? It doesn't help them at all. So just stop. Just stop with the nonsense. Uh, this I like. I did not know this. But did you know that one time when I was a coach, I recruited a legally blind player to Indiana? His name was Lou Moore. True story. I told Coach Knight, don't recruit two kids. They're not good enough. Kid named Lou Moore and a kid named Richardson. Can't remember Richardson's first name. So what did Coach do? He recruited them both. Gave them both scholarships. True story. Lou Moore was from a junior college. I'm like, man, Lou Moore misses too many passes. He was an athletic 6'6 kid. Misses too many passes. So we had a normal physical, got his eyes checked. The bottom half of one of his eyes was black, dark, dead, no blood flow. True story. So you had to throw, I, I, I think he could see him low, but I don't think he could see him high. Some doctor could tell me it's been a while. So I've always been like, man, I'm a guy that told Knight not to recruit a blind guy, but he did. Well, guess what? There's a blind guy in baseball. The Tampa Bay Raves have, legal, have acquired uh, Jeff Belge, who is legally blind from the Dodgers. That's right, legally blind pitcher. He, <laughs> honest to God, he has 2,300 vision. Uh, I don't know what's good or bad, but I know that ain't good. That ain't good at all. He's, he got hit by a rock. A rock cut the cornea of, a, of his eye when he was nine. Two surgeries. Another injury to the same eye when he was 17. Had surgery. Uh, the vision is pretty much nothing, he said. He can only see colors and outlines of objects in his right eye. Well, all right. He's six foot five, had a three and three record, uh, 32 innings in the Great Lakes High A League. He struck out four with no walks and two and a third uh, in the Great Lakes League in his debut. Anyway, he gets traded, and I am rooting for Jeff Belge. I've always had good eyes until lately. Now my eyes stink. I don't know. They stinks. All right, let's move forward, shall we? By the way, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but Draymond Green, did you see where Draymond Green, and I'll talk to Dane Fife because he loves Draymond Green. Did you see that whole crap 
about Draymond Green saying that a fan threatened his life is turning out like the volleyball player at Duke. Uh, police are saying it didn't happen. The guy's saying it didn't happen. Draymond Green just lies. Draymond Green reacts, acts stupid, and totally understands that he can get away with any lie that he could possibly get away with. Draymond Green was one of my favorites. He was. But he is full of crap. He's full of crap. He's always been full of crap. And you know what? He knows he can get away with it. Because he knows everybody that comes at him, he's going to call him racist, or he's going to call him ist, or he's going to come back at him in some way that is another lie, but he's going to get the support of all the clowns because all the clowns are afraid of the truth. He's a damn fool. He's a fool, and I don't want to hear it. He's always been a fool. He is a fool, and I like him. I like him as a player, but you just can't keep doing this crap and then start complaining about people and lying about people. That's a fool. That's a dumbass. That's a fool. And I don't care what anybody says. Did you also see this? The commissioner of the NBA, and I'm going to get into this uh, with my man Guns here. The commissioner of the NBA says we need more African-American coaches because the number of coaches by percentage doesn't fit the number of players by percentage. Fine. But you know what Adam Silver, the wokest of the woke, actually the worst of all commissioners, said? He also said, we need more female coaches. So why? There's no female players. So if the logic is we need more African-American coaches because we got this many African-American players, well, by logic, you need no female coaches because there's no female players. Am I right or am I wrong? You tell me. I think I'm right. And I'm looking at this on the YouTube chat, and I don't know if they think I'm right. But I don't know. Uh, Jody Shelton says, my, my wife carries a Glock 43 times, and I'm thinking of moving her to a hammerless revolver. You guys are serious about it. All I'm saying is this. Just shut up, NBA. I've had enough of the NBA. Ah, dang, they drive me nuts. I love it. I watch it. I ain't mad at the players. And you can yell racism at me all you want, but I treat everybody the same. If you're being a jackass and you're the commissioner, then you're a jackass. If you're being a jackass and you're Draymond Green, then you're being a jackass. I don't want to hear it. Bobby Petrino has a new job. Remember Bobby Petrino? Bobby Petrino is at Missouri State, and Bobby Petrino has done a nice job there. He's taken Missouri State to the playoffs two of the last three years. Bobby Petrino, before that, Bobby Petrino, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Missouri State hadn't been to the playoffs since 1990s. Good coach. You know the old saying, right? And I asked John Cohen this, get fired for anything. It does not matter except what? Say it with me, brothers. Lose it. Hey, you can be having an affair with an employee on your campus, get fired, but somebody will hire you because they know you'll win. You can be, I don't know, calling escorts, lie about it, get in the DMs of young women, get in the DMs of media guys, and guess what? If you win enough, you'll be at Auburn. It's beautiful. The great Royce Waltman, I don't think he's great, but he's dead, so we'll say great, said it. You can get fired for anything except losing. Period. 
Dan, if a woman is good, she can coach in the NBA. Men coach women, college basketball, WNBA. What's the difference? Didn't say they couldn't, Mark. Didn't say they couldn't. Had nothing about that, Mark Cohen. Nothing. What I said was the logic of having to have more African-American coaches because there's African-American players. Well, if you use the same logic and say we got to have more women coaches, well, you don't have any women players. That's what I'm talking about, Mark Cohen. It ain't that hard, dummy. It ain't that hard, dummy. So, anyway, that's the deal. And I don't want to hear about it. All right, this is weird. And by the way, just keep hitting like and tell your friends to come to the YouTube chat. This is getting weird. All right, this is weird. You know, Sean Miller, Sean Miller was the basketball coach at Arizona. Sean Miller had an assistant coach go to jail. Sean Miller uh, got fired. Sean Miller just got a new job at Xavier. Sean Miller just got exonerated. Now, it's really interesting. It, it really is. Somehow, some way, this is mafia type. This is absolute, you're not going to get to the Don. You can get to others, but you ain't getting to the Don. You get to the capos. You get to the guys below me. You get to the, you ain't getting to me. The only way you're getting to me is if uh, you go John Gotti, Paul Castellano, which is you shoot him outside the stake place. But in terms of conviction, you ain't getting to me. Uh, former Arizona coach, Sean Miller, avoided all sanctions, all of them. Book Richardson, an assistant under Miller at Arizona, received a 10-year show cause, which means he can't coach again unless a team that wants to hire him has to show a good reason to hire him. He was arrested. He served a three-month federal prison sentence. He pled guilty in 19. He accepted supposedly $20,000 in bribes to influence Arizona players to hire agent Christian Dawkins. He, on a videotape, he uh, basically told uh, DeAndre Ayton to go with Dawkins and gave him $10,000. All right. Now, he, Miller, had been caught on wiretaps discussing payments to Eight, but he denied making those payments. He said, Miller did, I have never knowingly violated NCAA rules while serving as a head coach of this great program. Mark Phelps is another guy. He was an assistant. He got a two-year show cause. They suspended him and then fired him. He was accused of seeking fraudulent academic transcripts for Arizona recruits. He was also... Uh, accused, Phelps was, of asking a player to lie about receiving impermissible payments. So Arizona, $5,000 fine, one scholarship reduction, seven-week ban on recruiting this summer. Probation, three years, that's it. Miller, scot-free. So look, I was a head coach for 10 years. Then I went with a guy named Calvin Sampson to Indiana. I get there, and about six weeks into my stay, I find out that Indiana is under investigation because of the idiot that is Calvin Sampson and his other idiot that is Rob Senderoff. I'm like, what are you idiots doing? Sampson was already on probation. Long story short, Sampson got hit with a little show cause. I gave him 750 to go away. 
but they fired Senderoff. Man, Urban sent me a text the other day. Bill Self wins a national championship. These guys are still coaching. I just simply said to him, very simply, college basketball is the mafia. You never get the Don, baby. They never get the Don unless you go Castellano out front of the steak place, Gotti and his boys in a drive-up. Other than that, you ain't getting to the Don. We'll talk college basketball with the great Dane Fife next. Let's go. Indiana takes on Kansas. It's a big weekend. Also, Dane's a Michigan kid. Grew up in Michigan. Can Michigan win the national championship? By the way, Dane was an All-American football player in high school. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Oh, it was a beautiful afternoon sometime, I believe, in April. I don't even know the year. I walked into University of Cincinnati's gym to watch a bunch of legends play. Most of those legends were with the Atlanta Celtics, but I knew who was on whatever the Michigan team was. Shane Battier, Dane Fife. Next thing you know, he caught my eye, ladies and gentlemen. I called the great Bob Knight and said, we got to recruit this Fife kid. And he's like, I know, and he wants to come. I know his dad, Dan, former captain at Michigan. His brother, Dugan, at Michigan, captain of the Fab Five. Dane joins us now after, ladies and gentlemen, Dane Fife's stellar career, upholding the legend of Isaiah Thomas, Eric Schur, Todd Jadlow, uh, at number 11. Randall L. Randall L. Who? Oh, Randall L., yeah, yeah. Uh, The great Dane Fife. All right, coach, you helped put this Indiana team together. Indiana goes to Kansas. We're going to talk some college hoops. Can Indiana win a road game in an environment like Fog Allen with this crew? First of all, I've never been in the fog. I hear it's pretty special, Coach, the fog. Pretty good. And to answer your question, I think the the Hoosiers absolutely can go into the fog and get that W. I'm confident they are going to get the W. Should I reveal my, my score right now or not? I want you to reveal why you're confident that they're going to get the W because it's everybody can say they're going to get the W, but it's the why are they going to get a W. How can Indiana go in there when they haven't shown much, not much in terms of, you know what, playing on the road? What do they got to do to go get the W as you're predicting? Well, I, I really don't – the road doesn't really concern me. I think there's there's two kinds of players, and we have the right kind of players that will – shine on the road because I've seen it happen in certain respects. Um, they now have the uh, NCAA tournament W under their belt. So guys like race and trace and X understand um, the kind of environment they're going into. But I think Indiana has an absolute advantage with, with trace trace Jackson Davis is dominant and I'm not sure who's going to guard him at Kansas. I know they're going to post double, but trace has seen doubles his whole career. And it's nothing different. And I think their defense with – see, people don't understand, and I know that um, it's really hard to detect from the from the naked fan eye, but race, race and trace are so dominant inside. And I know Arizona – we can bring up Arizona. That's fine. But let's talk about their body of work. They're so dominant inside in situations like this. Um and I think that um, Kansas, it's a great matchup for Indiana. I think they're both a good matchup for each other. 
And by the way, did you hear Bill Self call Indiana a blue blood? Well, he, Bill Self understands history, yes. I mean, he, he understands that, of course, it's a blue blood. I mean, people, Twitter has too many Purdue people on it. <laughs> well, the last thing I'd say with uh, the, why Indiana's going to win is their bench. Indiana has a bench. Uh, listening to Bill Self yesterday, he said, we don't need a little work. This is paraphrasing, or or uh, I don't want to put words in Coach Self's mouth, but he essentially said they need a lot of work on their bench. And they're young. They've got new faces. Uh, I think Indiana. Uh, you can see a lot of Jordan Geronimo tomorrow against Jalen Wilson. I expect that. Um, Jalen hood Shafino, whether he plays or not, I think Indiana, the key word there is rhythm. When you think of their offense, they have to get in a rhythm and get used to playing without Jalen hood Shafino, just like they had to get into a rhythm, with the, which I thought they were playing with Jalen hood Shafino. When you, what is your perception uh, of Bill Self and Kansas's program? You know, when I was at Michigan State, we played Kansas several times. We played Kansas, uh, Miles Bridges, um, Joshua Langford, Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, that great group we had uh, against Josh Jackson. We played Kansas um, in the NCAA tournament. And I won't forget, um, we had them on the ropes kind of mid-second half. And Bill Self, out of nowhere, um, he called a timeout or no, let's put it. There was a TV timeout and I think it was at the 12 minute mark. And I looked at Kansas and they were exhausted and we went to TV timeout. And then like 30 seconds later, and I might have this a little bit wrong. He calls another timeout, just kind of random. There wasn't much um, of a reason to call it. But, so then it went to another TV timeout before, because the first timeout, um, of the second half goes to a TV timeout. Yeah. So it gave Kansas, yeah. it, it was another long, long timeout in the NCAA tournament. They're extra long. And what I thought, I sat there and thought, why would he do that? And then I said, what a genius. EJ just gave Kansas essentially a 10 minute break. And I'll be danged coach. They came out and popped us after that. And I thought, this dude really can coach. And that's a semantic. That's a little thing, but it was a huge thing. And you only get that over experience. But I don't think there's there's too many guys, X's and O's, basketball coaches in the country better than Bill Self. And um, talk well, about the great player. I, go ahead. No, what do you think of Indiana in the same vein? Mike Woodson and the job he's doing. Well, I think, I think Coach Woodson's done a a good job making the adjust. It's a hard adjustment going from NBA to college. There's not a lot of guys that succeed. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two that really have success, but it's a hard adjustment. It's a different lifestyle. It's a different playing style. You're getting generally kids, not men. And what you have is at the NBA, at least you have um, older veterans instead of 21, 22-year-olds uh, leading younger kids. Right now you have essentially, you know, 
you have you're the adult and you have to lead the kids by and large uh you're taking what their parents gave you and you're trying to build on it they're not men yet and it's our responsibility to make amends so there's that adjustment of okay uh if i'm the new coach i've got all right i i can really impact this young man's life and it's on me and i think um so that's an adjustment it's a it's a major time adjustment but i think what coach woodson's done is he's got first of all he's got really good players he's got incredible players he's got they're just incredible kids too they're really good players and they're good kids and i think what he's done is he's really worked to to get his system in play and he's done a nice job of that when you look i think they have as talented team as there is in the country i haven't seen you mentioned jordan geronimo i haven't seen much out of him i've been disappointed in him well, I talked about I talked about the rhythm. The, I think they're still trying to work in the flow of uh, Malik Renew. They've got you've got Race Thompson. Jordan played the four for us all last year. Jordan Geronimo played the four spot. Um, there was talk of him playing some three spot. I still think four is his best spot, um, and I think they'll try to sprinkle in some some Jordan Geronimo at the three spot. But I think they're still trying to iron out uh, some players, and it's really hard. It's hard to play. I look at Kansas. They're playing eight guys, uh, and they won't go above that. You might say eight and a half, but anybody that's not playing under 10 minutes, um, you kind of look at as a, you know, like a third big option or a fifth guard option or sixth guard option. Um, it doesn't mean they're not good players. It just means they, they're, they're, uh, they, they're working their way to the top. Um, I think that's the issue is can Indiana um, – shrink down their playing playing group to eight because once you really get past eight it's tough and there's not many teams that win big i mean you look at coach k coach k would play six guys you know kansas is playing eight they may they may end up playing seven when it's all said and done it's hard to have a playing group of of nine and ten all right indiana did i just answer did i come close to answer your question no, you did a really oh, good right. job. You did a spectacular. <laughs> I fell asleep in the middle of it, but it was good. I mean, I'm I'm old. Am I <laughs> Am I too long-winded? Do I need to settle it? Do I need to shorten my answers? I'd be happy to. No. You know what? Um, there is a saying in broadcasting, stop at the period. Hmm. You know what? Let's make the, this a hey, squ- uh, yeah. I'm going to ambush you here for a minute. You ready? Uh, you know what? Bring it. Bring it. Do you, do you regret leaving Michigan State and going back to Indiana? That's a great question. I'm sure you knew that. I don't have to stroke your ego. But uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting um, thought because I was leaving. I left a program that for 10 years – all we knew was winning. And there were a few times where maybe the, the NCAA tournament was in, was in question, in flux. But, you know, there you're playing for Final Fours. You're expecting your players, your leadership. Um, they're expecting Final Fours, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's a feeling where each player, by the time they're mid-freshman year, they, they know, like, we're playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, everybody has your back there. Um, 
you feel supported. Uh, it's just, it is a, it is a big family. I mean, it, I know that's overused coach, but, um, t- what coach Izzo's created there is a, you think of a high school coach. My dad created this at, at Clarkson high, and in the community, you take on the coaches kind of workmanship, the mantra. Um, it was a community feel where everybody, um, at least in the sports community, um, you kind of felt that, uh, community sense of uh we got each other's back and and that's a good safe feeling now when i thought about coming to iu uh and when i i I felt like look i'm coming home i am coming to family and i still feel that way um but i knew there was work to do you know this is a program that it wasn't it was in trouble and i knew there was work to do and i thought you know i'm coming to play for um Someone and Tim Garl's still here. Um, Larry Ring's still here. Those guys in the program, the doctor and the trainer. Uh, I, I was I'm coming home to family, and so from that sense, I thought this, and then I'll finish. Stop at the period. I thought I felt this. I felt like, you know what? If this basketball thing doesn't work out, you know, worst case scenario, we don't win, we get fired. That's the way it works, right? And uh, I said, if we don't win, we get fired. What? You know what? I may just retire in Bloomington. I said it. I said I'll. I'll I plan on dying here in Bloomington, and uh, just to collect a small check, I'll run around the the state. I'll run around the country and toot the IU horn, and uh, that's what I still plan to do. But I, I'm 43. You know, I I may think retirement when I start looking like uh, that man in the picture I'm looking at. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> name his name, but. Uh, I'm 43. I've got plenty of time. I, my girls are young. They they want to see me get back out out there coaching, or at least in the in the field of work, and make sure their college college uh, tuitions paid for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow my path, and you are, which is genius. You're coaching AAU. You're going to get with the Big Ten Network, and you'll be a star. Um, all right, I got to get to this. I got to get to this. Your boy Draymond Green, I used to love. Oh, I've been looking forward to this one. I can't wait. I can't wait. Make that slower. I can't wait. Let's go. I've had enough of your boy. He was always my go-to when I'd go to Sparty. I went to freaking Midnight Madness. Get Draymond. We'll talk. I've had Mm -hmm. enough. It's too much. Too much freaking soap opera drama crap. Punching teammates. Get to him. Tell him shut the hell up. What are we doing? And and you know what? Um. So we went and visited with Draymond. Um, man, this would have been a made for made for uh, uh, internet show here if I had the Draymond picture with me and my family. I'm going to start with this. If you'd have seen Draymond with my 12 year old, 13 year old, and nine year old, and you would have thought, "All right, there's got to be something to this." And here's what I thought. You didn't like it that he that he chose violence to settle an issue. You don't like it when he when he chose di- diplomacy. What do you want? What do you want, Coach? What do you want? Tell me. What do you Wait want? Wait a second. The, what diplomacy? I would like this person that's making these threats, or or whatever, oh, uh, towards it. me. Oh, you can't even diplomacy. say that with a straight face. You know that's crap. You and I I'm, both I'm not know, sure look, what you was said. Bit, you bit a player 
I had an entire place chanting, we hate Dockage. We know the deal. Let's be honest. And no, but what's a guy going to say? I'm going to kill you? What? Shut Come on. Diplomacy my backside. Stop it. Okay. Well, here, here's... Oh, please don't get me thinking about your backside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my point is, what do you... Nor, normally, I mean, you'd, maybe he'd run in the stands and just punch the guy. I mean, right? That's... The- is that the level? Is that is that the line? It, like, how about being a know. great player, a great leader, a fantastic personality? Don't punch your teammate out. I mean, that doesn't seem. And quit with all the history. He got thrown out the other day at one point, and they needed him when Curry got hurt, and he just goes and gets thrown out acting like a fool. How about, well, how I didn't about look don't at do that and just be a Hall of Fame player? See, I didn't look at the throwout as, you know, he hurt his team. I looked at it as, oh, no, my girls aren't going to get back in the locker room. He's not going to want to visit with us after the game. <laughs> right. But, right. But, look, here, here's the thing. Right. I mean, to, to talk about the fights, Coach, I was talking about it last night with a group of people at Buffalo's enjoying my wings. Um, I, I get – I don't understand the thought that fights don't happen in practice. Uh, and I'm not condoning them. I mean, I can remember A.J. Moye and I. We came to blows in a pickup game. Uh, Jeff Newton chased me down. <laughs> I didn't even know he was chasing me down. And I, I started every one of them. But um, this one got caught on camera, and it, and I don't condone it. It's It was wrong what Draymond did. But fights happen in practice. we got to quit acting like they don't. And I, I don't think that's your issue. I think your your issue is maybe more of some potential uh, hypocrisy going on, but um, I can't com- I can't imagine honestly because not only has the the world changed outside of it, but it's changed in the arena. I mean, you go to a sporting event now, coach. The things that are said to these guys, I don't know how you can take it every night without some type of response. I would en- I, I enjoy Fair I enough. enjoy the re- I, I I enjoy the responses. I enjoy you know just killing somebody with kindness. You know, I enjoy okay, you don't think I'll make this uh, next shot? Bam, okay, give me my 5 bucks. Um you know, I you know, Ohio State, at Ohio State, they have students right behind their bench, right? And they're crushing you. You know, and and I took uh, I always enjoyed the challenge to go out and neutralize them with some kindness and, and maybe communicate them with them throughout the game. One, to keep them off my boss and our players. But two, I kind of enjoy it. But the things they say, uh, I can't even say them on here. I mean, I, this is a PG event. I can't say them. All right, two things with that. Look, I coached for 25 years, played – and I talked to seven head coaches. Urban Meyer had the crazy – he goes, Dan, I've never seen nothing like that, where you come off of your feet to punch a teammate that has his hands down. I get it. We're scrapping. Dude's just standing. So I, I know that every former player wants to be a tough guy and talk about all their fights. But all I know is in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I'd never, ever – saw anything like that. And when I got other coaches that are football coaches saying I never saw anything like that, I totally agree with you, your, your point of 
hey, look, taking it every night would get exhausting. There's absolutely no question. My first game at Indiana on the road was at Kentucky, and some lady is dropping mother blank, and I mean the worst of the worst. I turn around, looked at her, and she's dressed to the nines, and she's mother blank and Coach Knight, and I'm like you. I thought that was awesome. But, <laughs> hey, I get it. I, I get every former player. Well, you know, we're, you and I both know that leaving your feet, extending through to punch a guy whose arms aren't up, uh, you can make excuse for it. You can say boys will be boys, but I ain't buying it. All right, last thing because I got to run. You got Indiana winning over Kansas. I got the Hoosiers 75-74. I think Trace Jackson Davis is too much. I think X is um, X is going to have a great Xavier Johnson is going to have a great game. And, and honestly, Indiana's defense with Race and Trace in the back, uh, I think it's going to be too much. I, I think it, the matchup between Grady Dick and Miller Cop, I think it's a key matchup. I also think the matchup with Jalen Wilson and Race Thompson, they're going to be key matchups to watch. But I think ultimately Trace Jackson Davis is going to dominate KJ Adams. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. You're the man. You look great today. I'm turning over a new leaf. I look resplendent. I look resplendent in red. Thank you. That's the great Dane Fife. And he was great. Last Hoosier guy to take the Hoosiers to the national championship game, 2002. Tommy Coverdale, Jeff Newton, Jared Jeffries, Dane Fife, uh, Hornsby, George Leach, freaking studs. 75-74. Hoosiers, according to Dane Fife. All right, there you go. What can I tell you? Um, the Guns Show coming up here in a minute. Mike Gunzelman is fired up. He is. You wouldn't want to hear this. He is all kinds of jacked up. He is all kinds of insane. He's got questions for me, stories he's heard about me. And, ladies and gentlemen, I ain't going to lie to you. This is my time of year. Uh, my time of year for winning a ton of money. Last night, I put together a sassy little parlay of under in the football game and the, uh, what's it called's win, the Fighting Purdy's win. That hit, but I also combined it with two college hoops games. I will tell you what that is about. We come back. It's the gun show next, baby. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. I disagree with Dane Fife. Now, look, I don't have the official lines up here, but I'm taking Kansas. I'll give the two and a half. I feel like two and a half is too low, and until Indiana proves to anybody, including me, that they can play on the road, I don't want to hear it. Indiana needs a big win over a good team. That's the game. It's, uh, I think it's ESPN2 coming up uh, noon tomorrow. But I am taking that. But let's get to my football bets over the weekend because I'm telling you right now, I'm putting these in a parlay. I'm putting these everywhere, and we are going to rock and roll. Look, I understand, first and foremost, that Baltimore, the Ravens, are going to be without Lamar Jackson. I get it. You get it. We all get it. But this is a culture win. This is a culture win. I'm going to take the Ravens plus three over the Browns. Now, I'm not telling you that Deshaun Watson isn't any good. Deshaun Watson is fine. Deshaun Watson is good. Deshaun Watson, you know, he's fine. 
But this is a culture win. This is. This is one of those games where Tyler Huntley comes in and you're like, man, because he's done it before. You're like, wow, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's pretty daggone good. And there are a lot of us, ladies and gentlemen, that would not mind seeing Tyler Huntley behind center with the Colts, although I think the Colts should draft a young quarterback. Speaking of the Colts, Colts are out of the playoff hunt. The line is three and a half. It's down from four. I'm going to take the Vikings at home against the Colts. Colts stink, or sometimes they're pretty good. Colts' defense is pretty good. That offense is horrible. And I don't think sitting on it for two weeks with Jeff Saturday talking about himself all the time, which is exactly what Jeff Saturday constantly, constantly does. He did a press conference the other day, and all he did was say, I, me, I, 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 me, I, 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 I. And I got tired of him. I did. Look, I may move that down to three. In fact, my official bet on that will be minus three. That's a lock. Colts stink. They're not kind of bad. The Colts stink. Uh, I'm tired of Saturday talking. I'm tired of hearing his name. I, 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 I. Uh, He had a press conference, and all he said was I. I mean, honest to God. And all he said, I this, I that, I did. No, 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 no. When you're an interim coach, you got to, you've got to say we. All he talked about was himself. I mean, and these idiots here in Indianapolis, they're not going to understand it. Um, But the truth of the matter is, I ain't into them. I've had enough. He's one of them fake religious guys. You know those fake religious guys, the guys that you got to walk out and you got in your back pocket. You know, you got to make sure you got your uh, your wallet. What We had a meeting. Uh, that's what I think Saturday is. All right, this next one, and I don't know if I can even believe this, but Carolina is actually playing for something. Carolina has a chance, ladies and gentlemen, a chance to make the playoffs. The Steelers stink. And I remember I told you this before the season started. I said the Steelers are not going to make the playoffs. They cannot make the playoffs. They will not make the playoffs. So I'm taking the team that's playing for something. I'm going to go quick because I know uh, Mike is ready. All right, the Cowboys. The Cowboys and the Jaguars. There is a saying in coaching. Always bet the next week against a bad team off a big win. Jaguars, big win. They ain't used to backing it up. Cowboys playing for something. And I'm taking Argentina on the money line. I don't even know what it is. I don't care what it is. I don't want to look. Because what will happen is if I take Argentina on the money line and it's too big, I won't do it. I'm just taking them. I watched... All of this. I watched the other day, France, they should have got beat by Morocco. Morocco had more chances, looked like the better team, couldn't get the ball in the net. Hey, you know what? If a dog didn't stop to take a dump, he'd have caught the rabbit. So ifs don't matter. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the Guns Show. G-U-N-Z Show. All right, bring it, big boy. Tell me about Dave Chappelle's attacker, will you please? 
This is uh, great to be here. As always, Dan, on a Friday. Let's go, everybody. Come on now. Best way to wake up. Let's go. Double D coming at you. Um, all right. So here we go. So Dave Chappelle, you might recall, it was just a couple months ago about in May. He was on stage performing. Hollywood Bowl, California, sold out audience. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody hopped over the barricade, hopped onto the theater stage, ran at him, and pretty much was able to kind of take him down or whatnot. Eventually, security was able to subdue this guy. He had a fake gun. Thank God it was fake, but also had a uh, had a knife. He had a knife on him. So we find out now that the guy was sentenced yesterday. And I'm shocked. I'm shocked that California even sentenced this guy based on everything we know about California. But upon, upon further review, as I delved into it, man, uh, is the fact that um, – He's only going to serve 270 days in jail, this guy, okay? 270 days. He was charged with like 10 different things. It got down to two that they eventually went with them. But are you aware, Dan? Because I wasn't. This person shouldn't have even been on the streets to begin with. Last year, he was charged with attempted murder for stabbing his roommate. And this is crazy to me because what happens if, God forbid, he actually hurt Dave Chappelle or, or even worse? What was the excuse going to be then? Uh, like, could you imagine? Like, why was he even out there? He no. already had an attempted murder charge for stabbing somebody. Then he goes out there and he attacks Dave Chappelle. So it's just another example of uh, it, it, it. What were they? Were they going to be shocked? Like, oh, we didn't see this coming. It was right there on your plate. It's just another example of these DAs and Los Angeles, California, and Chicago, and New York City just plain being ridiculous with their uh, with their asinine policies. But uh, yeah, this guy's going to get 270, 270 days in jail just for him to come out. And last year, he stabbed somebody. Just a couple months ago, he tried stabbing Dave Chappelle. In 269 days from today, what's he going to do then? Hmm. Pattern? You tell it, me. It, it, let me ask you a question, because this is something near and dear to my heart. I have a number of friends that are police officers, played golf with one who said, look, the local prosecutor, a guy named Ryan Mears, was up for re-election here in Indy. And he's like, yeah, this dude and his policies are literally getting people killed. It's not just Chicago and the ridiculous there. It's all over the country, <laughs> what we're seeing here with soft, lenient, we're afraid, we're pandering with prosecutors. It's unbelievable. It drives me nuts. You know, I do a, a series every week on OutKick. It's called the OutKick Crime Files. And uh, it's a, it's uh, right. It's getting a lot of buzz, but unfortunately for all the wrong reasons, because people are actually uh, seeing what's going on all across the country, as you said. And it's, uh, I can only, could you imagine being a family member who lost somebody, whether it's a child, whether it's a husband, whether it's a wife, to somebody that had a rap sheet of 16, 25, 60 plus arrests and was still able to go out there and commit another crime and ended up killing somebody? Where, where, where is the responsibility? Where is the, uh, where is, the, you want the blame? It's, it, it's deliberate negligence that's going on from our local prosecutors, DAs, mayor, pandering policies, judges that are looking for re-election, whatever it might be, this criminal justice reform is, is not working. And if anything, it's it's just enabling the criminals to get away with that much more. But if, if somebody, if somebody lost, if I lost a friend or a family member, I would like, what do you say to somebody? 
knowing that the person that killed them should not have even been able to get out. It's it's it's, it's crazy, man. It really is crazy. And where where is the my biggest thing, Dan, is where's the accountability? Where's the punishment for these for these rogue prosecutors? These where's where where's their punishment? How do they get held accountable? They never do. Oh, sorry. We'll send you a we'll send you some funeral flowers. The hell is that? The hell is that? I lost a family member because of you and your pandering policies. Thanks for the flowers. You know what? I, I, I can't uh, say what I want to say, but I you have, know exactly what I want to say. I know. I know what you want to say. Mike, I have incredible Catholic guilt, like yep. stifling, <laughs> dehumanizing. Everything that I do is met with two in the morning, a oh, crap. And my wife's like, what are you worried about that for? I go, I don't know. Stifling. <laughs> I could not imagine being a prosecutor and know I left Slappy Johnny out and Slappy Johnny went and killed again. And I knew I was pandering in my soul. I knew I wasn't fulfilling my duties. I couldn't imagine doing that, Mike. And, and, and the worst part is it's not like they're going to resign. How many times do judges give these lenient policies and these lenient sentences or just like, oh, no bail, everything? Like, how about this? New York City, we just had this literally last week. A guy had a random attack, and it wasn't like a homeless person or something. Like, he has a family and stuff. Got mad at somebody. Went after him, all right? Followed him with a metal baseball bat and struck him from behind struck this guy in the skull with a metal baseball bat was released less than 24 hours later on $7,500 bail. I don't know about you, but uh, a, a couple things were uh, run by me is uh, I've had disagreements plenty of times in my life, Dan. I've never taken a baseball bat and decided to attack somebody uh, and, and swing at them in their head like a psychopath, but also the fact that he does have a family, girlfriend, wife, whatever it might be, uh, you think this would be a red flag for a potential domestic abuse coming. Uh, yeah, like, well, are they going to be shocked when he, when, he, when, he, when he attacks his wife or somebody else? Clearly, there's at least at the very minimum here an anger management problem. You can't be just walking, running around <laughs> yeah. New York City swinging baseball bats at people. <laughs> and he's out less than 24 hours later. Crazy, crazy, and 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 it's the guilt. Are they, are they going to resign? They're not. Like it's 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 just it's wild to me. And what we're seeing now, because of things like Outkick, and of course the Outkick crime files that I do, and I urge everybody to go, please check them out. Outkick.com. Just search guns, you'll be able to see them. Because uh, with the rise of social media, we the these these policies, these people can't get away with this anymore. We can't let them get away with this. We have to hold them accountable. We have to. We can't let them let the lunatics run around anymore. You, you know what I mean? Like with the rise of social media, with video going viral and, and seeing exactly what's going on, it's up to us, the people, it's up to you, the viewers, up to you, the listeners out there to be like, whoa, something needs to change here. Local elections, whatever it might be, public pressure, make a difference. Get out there because guess what? Criminals, anybody's running around with a baseball bat, or it's going to attack Dave Chappelle on stage after already stabbing and getting an attempted murder charge with his roommate. They don't care. They truly, they don't care. But you know who's going to care? You and I, when we become the next victims or somebody we know become the next victims. I'll be honest. Um, I, I never, I was always afraid of guns. I never wanted a gun. 
I went and got a gun. I've had enough. I mean, I, I, you know, and maybe it's an overreaction. I don't know. You know, and, and we all know that, you know, social media can skew things, but I've seen it right here in my town. And I like, hey, look, screw this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not messing around. I, I want you to go slower where people can find your crime files. You were uncomfortable promoting it during the segment. I want you comfortable promoting <laughs> where to get the crime files, please. Uncom- First of all, I never get uncomfortable. That must have been a, a, a I don't know, maybe that was a Wi-Fi thing oh, on my end. Fast. You went fast. You went I'm fast like you were con- just trying to slip it in. <laughs> Everybody, you check this out, all right? Guns, G-U-N-Z. You check it out. You go to Outkick, outkick.com. You can Google it. It's called Outkick Crime Files. It is a bunch of stories out there. Clay's been retweeting them, loving them as well. Just getting the word out there about just 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 wild stories that should never be able to happen of criminals being let out on the street only, only to then commit another crime. And it escalates and you just see the pander, uh, the, you know, the 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 rise in the elevation of crimes on some of these uh, from some of these perps that start, you know, you, you look at their rap sheet and it just triggers up because why? Because they never got in trouble. They never got in trouble or they, they, they spent one day in jail. They don't care if even that, if even that. And they, you know, what are you, what are you telling? What are you telling the youth out there? What are you telling those that continue to get away with something? They're only going to continue doing it and they're only going to escalate their crimes. And uh, it's called the Outkick Crime Files. It's everything from, you know, subway beatings to, uh, you know, to, to these judges that are just like, oh, yeah, we'll let this person out, even though he's arrested for the 15th time, only to him to go and murder somebody. Like, it's, it's, it's all these horrible stories, but they are important that they need to get out there because uh, it's coming to a town near you. And I don't feel happy telling you that, but we can't hide from this anymore because clearly um, a lot of people that are supposed to be protecting you aren't going to be protecting you. So it's important to educate yourself on what the heck is actually going out on there. It's actually happening out there. Did you see the story of the hippo swallowing a two-year-old and spitting <laughs> him back out? Did I ever, Dan? That that went viral yesterday. <laughs> you want to talk about you want to talk about a hungry, hungry hippo? Let me tell you this for the audience out there: we have a hippo in Uganda swallowed a two-year-old whole. I'm talking entirely. Look at that mouth right there. That kid, that kid spawned a two-year-old entirely in Uganda, which I didn't even know. Like, listen, I'm from New York City. I don't know the first thing about hippos or, or wild animals. Hippos are uh, hippos kill over 500 humans a year. They're one of the most deadliest animals. Yes. You think, oh, sharks are dead. Sharks average like six to eight deaths. And I'm definitely terrified of sharks. Now I got to worry about hippos. If I'm ever <laughs> somewhere, I don't know. I have to like Google if there's hippos wherever I'm going to be going to. But yes, a two-year-old was swallowed whole by a hippo. But good news, some onlookers began pelting the hippo with some, some rocks, throwing stuff, yelling at him, spit it back <laughs> <laughs> regurgitated and vomited the kid back up and he's okay he went to the hospital he's out you want to talk about bragging rights you want to talk about uh you know icebreaker as this kid grows up like yeah i was right. in I was, I was eating alive by a hippo and i lived <laughs> can't make it up mike can you imagine like I, I always think of it from a personal level i'm sitting there and my kid is in a hippo's mouth. I mean, 
Like your he's first dead. reaction is he's dead. He's in a hippo. How do I, how do I get, and, and, and I, I do know a little bit about hippos and they are the most deadly, dangerous, horrific, eat you alive animals. Yeah. But imagine being the parent and then imagine the thing come, your kid comes <laughs> back out of the thing and that feeling would be unbelievable. Just, it is, it is truly, it's unbelievable. The fact that he lived to talk about, and it's such a random story, but uh, it ended in a great fashion. But yeah, you're exactly right. A two-year-old, it's like Jonah and the whale, right? This is Jonah and the whale, the same thing where he got swallowed and then he was out. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the modern day. This two-year-old from Uganda, but uh, this, so that happened. Everybody, uh, use that story during your Christmas and holiday parties this weekend. You can thank. Double D and the gun show for letting you know about that one. Hey, let me go a, a different direction with you. And I don't have this, but I'm guessing you have an opinion on this. Uh, LAX, people are masked up. Philly high schools, everybody's got a mask up for two weeks. Uh, uh, they're telling me and you that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. What's your overall thought on that? I think uh, once people have control, they will do anything to uh, never lose it. I think it comes right down to that factor that uh, they've been able to call these shots, continue moving the goalposts back uh, week by week, day by day. I was in New York City two weeks. Then we find out, you know, it, it's funny that uh, that Burks lady who was, uh, you know, in the administration, I don't know if she was in the administration, but she was one of Fauci's people. She literally came out in her book and, and, and said that they knew it was never going to be two weeks. You know, you could just see them kind of like smirking with each other, like, ha ha, we played a big, we played a big joke on these people. You know, they said two weeks that like, that was all BS. It was all BS for their own agendas. All right. And I lived in New York City. I still live in New York City throughout this whole entire time. Every single time the goalposts continually got moved back. Listen, we've dealt with uh, different viruses and, and whatnot. Flu has been around for, for, it seems forever. Uh, the fact is, it, isn't it funny that masks sometimes work, but then they don't work. Then we don't have to wear them. But now you have to bring them back. Do, it's like, are we just going to wear masks every single year now during the winter time? Like, it, it just doesn't. It, it, it it's uh, there's no coherent policy, and that's what's so frustrating about it. And the last three years have royally screwed our medical industry and professionals because. The next time something, God forbid, but something will inevitably happen again, nobody is going to believe them because they royally screwed this up for their own agendas and they have done irreparable harm to the doctors and the professionals out there. My favorite thing that we were always told is, well, consult with your local doctor. Well, if your local doctor told you to do something, that still wasn't good enough sometimes. Like, well, you told me to talk to my doctor. He said, don't do this. Or you know, maybe based on your, your personal condition, you shouldn't do that. But then you go out there and you're getting publicly shamed. Can't go into certain venues. Can't go here without this. Can't do that without this. Or like everyone's staring at you. You know, like it, I, I called I call the, uh, the the vaccine card. And listen, I got vaccine. Fine. Teach it. Like, obviously, like teach their own. Not arguing that. But I called the vaccine card years ago when it first came out. I call I called it the modern day scarlet letter. Where you, you know what I mean? The vaccine card was the modern day yeah. scarlet letter where if you did, it, it was public shame, 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 shame if you didn't have it. Then we find out that now you can just do anything with that. Like, 
there was never a coherent policy. And now the more we learn about it, the more it seems sometimes along the way from at least a policy decision. Okay. We were played. All right. I'm going to give you the last story. This is something I would 1000% do. So a driver in Arizona (laughs) put a Grinch, a blow up Grinch in her passenger seat to use the HOF lane. Um, I got to tell you, I would do that. I, I'm not proud of it. Who, you? I would do you that. You did? Uh, you? Yes. <laughs> you wrote on it. You wrote on it. Yes, I would I want, I, I would do it. I, I, I'm a bad human being. There you go. You know, so th- this is great. So we've all been there. Yeah, well, if, you, if you're ever in like a major city or whatnot, in order to like kind of reduce traffic, they're like they have certain lanes only that you need minimum of two passengers. Well, after a while, some people are like, well, you know, screw this. I'm just going to, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm just going to try and beat the rules. Well, there you see right there in that photo, some lady, an Arizona woman, inflated a Grinch something that you would find on your front yard during the holiday season right now and put that as a passenger <laughs> and was shocked to hear when the police pulled her over and they were like, really, lady? Really? Now, my argument, though, Dan, is I think I kind of take this a different direction. I say uh, part of me is like, I think the cops should have just let her go. Like, part of me is just like, you know what? That's pretty witty. Like, you know, like, lady... Just don't do it again, but that's pretty good. Like, I'll let you go this time. Well, then uh, the other side, I'm like, and I wrote about it. It's like, it's so absurd because it's not like it was even like a human being. It's not like it was a mannequin that you dressed up. It was a giant green Grinch in the middle of the day, broad daylight in Arizona. It's just cruising through, like probably waving at the officer. It's like, oh, Hey there, sir. Like, like, what are you doing? I love this story. Christmas time. Uh, the Grinch can't make it up. But then we've, uh, you know, I, I did, uh, I did this story, and uh, and once again for the viewers out there, please check out the stories. I cover everything over at Outkick. Everything from serious stories, like we said, like the Outkick crime files, to you know the, the hippo story swallowing up and spinning back out a kid to uh, to this. So I'm able to cover everything over at Outkick. So please check it out. But but. You know, I, I I looked into more of this and, you know, people are crazy. <laughs> people will do anything just to uh, just to try and skirt the system. So I was looking into this. So you had this, uh, you know, the inflatable Grinch doll. But then just a couple months ago during Halloween, somebody used an actual skeleton. But they didn't like you can't make it up. You think if you're going to go and, and try to use a skeleton, try to get something that like actually has flesh in it, even like a blow-up doll. Give me something with a blow-up <laughs> doll. The dude used it like, the dude used a skeleton, and it was in Arizona. So it's either something's happening in Arizona right now, or uh, or uh, you know maybe this this uh, you know this uh, these 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 lanes aren't fully working right now because uh, people are coming up with all sorts of all sorts of ideas. But would you do it? Yeah. Oh, I would. I sometimes, and by sometimes I mean all the time, I can't stand people. I, uh, I'm, one of the, <laughs> I'm one of those people. I, can, I do not have patience for stupidity. I hate BS. I hate I'm – a, I'm a great guy. Just don't BS me and also just don't be an idiot around me. And if I had to carpool every day with, with, uh, with, with Patrick from accounting – 
You know what I mean? Like somebody, some like loser from like office space. Think about like the worst person ever from office space, you know, the movie or whatnot. And you had to, you had to, uh, you had to commute with them every single day. I'd be like, and, and, you know, absolutely not. Imagine just sitting in traffic with somebody you can't stand 90 minutes each day. I'd be like, absolutely not. I, I would, I would take the fine with an inflatable cringe every single day instead. I, I, <laughs> just find me. I would just, do it. Find me. I can't stand. I can't. Yeah. yeah. So I don't blame. I don't blame this person. I just would have went with my more of a human tone, colored tone, if you would, rather than a bright green thing uh, that's reflecting off of off of the uh, off of the sun out there. But you never know what's going to happen, Dan. Did it, when we, you know I was on last Friday? Do you, do you, did you think I had any idea that this is what it would be happening? You never know what's going to happen in the world. But that's what you, why we tune in, man. Because uh, it's it's uh, humans are crazy. Humans are crazy and i love it i do <laughs> hey man thanks for the time have a great weekend my friend that was always awesome. a good time double d my man have a great one man i'm gonna give you a standing ovation my man the gun show he brought it strong that's what he does that's why we bring him on i told you today was gonna be all freaking energy and my man never ever disappoints seriously just go to twitter look it's one of the reasons Frankly, go to outkick.com and read them. It's, it's one of the reasons why, um, well, Outkick is awesome. At, ready, the G-U-N-Z show. And you will read really smart stuff. You will read really fun stuff. And that's what we do here. And we are fearless. We talk whatever is common sense important. That's what I say, common sense important. All right. Uh, let's end the week with some woke-a-dope idiots. What do we got, big boy? Oh, wow. That's our girl, right? That's our girl, Ann Lesby. I, she's not real. In my years at university, student and educator have taught me anything. It's that the world would be a better place if everyone hated America. We love Ann Lesby. Ann Lesby uh, is a parody account, but she, he, it, they, I don't know, her, she, she's freaking awesome. I think pretty much everyone does hate the United States. I think everyone pretty much is like, yeah, I'm kind of over the United States. Kind of had enough. Um, last thing. One of the great things about Elon Musk buying Twitter is what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. What's he doing with Twitter? Well, he's pretty much making everybody the same. One thing I have learned in my 14 or 15 years in, I call it entertainment, others might call it the media, is what entitled narcissists seemingly D-bags are simply because they are in the media. So the other day, maybe it was yesterday, Elon Musk did a Twitter Spaces, and on the Twitter Spaces with a bunch of media people, Elon Musk informed them, hey, look, you're not special. If you dox in real time, meaning you say where someone is in real time, you're going to get suspended. We saw it with that clown, Keith Oberman. Why is that difficult? I mean, look, I'm not saying that Twitter should be the end-all, be-all policy-making of everything. But actual 
doxing real-time celebrities leads to violence. You know, people say, well, if you say anything negative about the LGBTQ whatever community, then you're inciting violence. Totally not true. You're giving an opinion. But if you tell where a controversial figure currently is, and you saw it with somebody coming after Elon Musk's kids, that's a problem. Good for Elon Musk. Let's see what Elon Musk, let's keep a running total, tablet tally on what Elon Musk has done. He has banned violent accounts on Twitter. He has banned sex trafficking on Twitter. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you just to think about that one for a second and then this one. He has banned child pornography on Twitter. What was Jack Dorsey and those clowns that were running Twitter doing? The question becomes why did he, Elon Musk, have to do this? Why did he have to ban this stuff? Why wasn't it banned? Why was it allowed? And I'm not just talking about the clowns that ran Twitter. I'm talking about our government. How can you possibly not look at something very public out there like Twitter and say, wait a second, that's child pornography. We're going to shut you down. We're going to arrest that person. Domestic terrorism has been banned on Twitter. You think? How is that a thing? How has that not happened well before Elon Musk bought it? Real-time doxing, domestic terrorists, sex trafficking has been banned on Twitter. Now, I want you to think about this. Sex trafficking. That's a big deal now. Like, for years, it felt like sex trafficking was always kind of under the rug. Hell, uh, pimps are sex traffickers, but yet we see Snoop Dogg, who brags about being a pimp, on every commercial. How is it possible that in this world where we're talking about child pornography, we're talking about sex trafficking, domestic terrorism, how are those three things, how were they ever allowed on Twitter? How? Will somebody please explain it to me? Violent accounts, look, you can go here or there with violent accounts. You know, what people think is violence sometimes is just words. I get that. That could be nebulous. But child pornography, sex trafficking, and domestic terrorism, pretty black and white. Among the worst things that could possibly be done in our society are right there, and we're putting them out on a social media site. But yet people tell me, well, Elon Musk is making Twitter unsafe. Unsafe to who? Child pornographers? Domestic terrorists? Sex traffickers? Yes. I hope Twitter is unsafe to those people. I hope Twitter cancels those people, is a problem for those people. Holy cow. It's not even an issue. And question anyone that blindly says... Well, Elon Musk has made Twitter unsafe. Question those people. Because I would ask, are you supporting then child pornography? Are you supporting sex trafficking? And are you supporting domestic terrorists? That's my view of the world. We had another great week. Aaron, thank you. Dylan, great job. Ryan, fantastic. Haley, unbelievable. All of you that listened, thank you. All of you that watched on our YouTube chat, thank you. I'm going to have a video up 
uh, hopefully by the end of the day on the weekend coming up in sports, what to bet, how to bet, college basketball included. Thanks, everybody. Have an awesome weekend.